Maybe don't know. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 93 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I am still here in Lander. This might be the longest stretch I've actually been home since we moved here. Um, Not count, well, it might actually be. I'd have to go back and look at a calendar. Um, But today was supposed to be gross and rainy, but it looks like it's going to be pretty good. So I'm going to go rock climbing, which I've been doing quite a bit more of lately. Thank goodness, because I was starting to be like, screw all of this. I don't get to go rock climbing. Um, But now I am, and that's great. And um, I wanted to, before I get started here, I just wanted to give a quick, shout out to a local guy, Alan Pyrie, who uh, I ran into in the grocery store the other day. That's one of the the things about a small town. If you go to the grocery and you're in a hurry, you have to like play this game of ducking around around displays and hiding in aisles because you're going to see a bunch of people that you know, and it's going to be conversations. Uh, and we bumped into Alan in the frozen food aisle actually um because i was in an ice cream mood and well i'm always in an ice cream mood let's be honest and uh we had a really great conversation like a 30 minute conversation standing in the frozen food aisle just about putting yourself out there and inspiring other people and so thanks alan i i appreciate those conversations a ton let's get out bouldering sometime And uh, I'm going to jump into this thing pretty quick here today because it's a long conversation and it's a really interesting conversation between two partners, both of whom also happen to be clients and friends of mine. And uh, so this is as close to a case study as as we've done on here. And they are Scott Pagel and Tyler Algio, and they are essentially opposites in a lot of ways, which has been really interesting for me, um, having them be both clients separately and partners um, and being able to play them play them off of each other a little bit uh, to help them both learn. And we dig into that quite a bit here, how that's helped them. And it's helped them in some surprising ways that I didn't expect. Um, I also took a little bit of a gamble on their training this past season, um, which was nerve-wracking for me, but it's really paid off, and um, I'm going to stop talking now because we'll get into most of that in the interview, and I've got a lot to say on the other side um, with links to comparison videos um, and with some news about how their climbing's gone since this interview. So let's do it. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't know. This time, this time. I think one of the things that Tyler and I do well together is we kind of dream. We throw out big dreams. And Tyler is a bit of a visionary, and luckily I'm someone who catches vision. Power. Power. This time 
intensity. Um, oh, and Scott then, Pegel intensity is real. Yeah. Yeah. And I, think, I don't true. know if the next time that I was outside with you might have been when Chris was down um, and um, we were trying to find a window in like the showers and the rain that was hitting us in October to go um, do some coaching. And uh, you that was were, the day at roadside. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Again, like you were like, flying really high on um, the success you were having on those, those projects. And we're like, oh, you totally have to get on these. You would send this so fast. Well, like all this like encouragement that like I was almost unprepared for. Um, and it's not even just encouragement. It's belief that, yeah. that if he can do it, everyone else can do it. Yeah. You know, mm. I see that a lot. Yeah. Um, and in some ways that's a really great thing. In other ways it's, almost not giving yourself enough credit Hmm. Um, because I think that not everyone can do what you're doing, even though you think they can, you know, it can also um, be um, almost like too much pressure. Like totally after um, Scott went away to Europe for a month and then, well, when he came back, I had been um, down in South America for a few weeks. Um, and so by the time I came back and we went out, uh, my first weekend out, he was on his like fourth weekend out. Um, and I was feeling right. like weak and shaky from, from coming off of it. And he was like, oh, you totally have this. Like, you're definitely strong enough. You can do this. Like, total belief in my ability, uh, which like I could not live up to on my first weekend out. And, you know, he had pointed out that he had to like recognize that, you know, he was and in the I same position. Yeah. Three weeks, three weeks prior, I was in the same position. But oh yeah, I remember. His <laughs> <laughs> I, got the, I got the freak out phone calls about, I have no fitness. All my fitness is gone. What happened to my fitness? I'll never climb again. And, and it wasn't true. Yeah. But, <clears throat> but it felt like it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what about those first days climbing together when did it click and what was it what what made you decide that this thing is working and we should continue to push each other i actually so the first time you caught me was at that roadside trip and it was on stay the hand 512a and i was trying to go for the send after having worked the bottom crux and you short roped me (laughs) True story. <laughs> and you short roped me on a clip that I hadn't been that high yet on the route. And everyone had told me, get through the bottom, it's easy, the rest of it's going to be fine. And so I had come down and I was up there. And when you short roped me, I like started freaking out a little bit. And I remember you felt terrible about it. And I think like you had said to me, oh, I wasn't used to someone with your arm length. That's totally a real thing. Yep. Yeah. You were like, I wasn't used to someone with your arm length reaching down and going so quickly. And I think there was something in that immediately for me. I was like, oh, for starters, you were humble and like analyzed what it was that you did. And secondly, you just apologized and we moved on. And then we climbed in your pain cave and I watched how hard you could climb. And I was like, this guy climbs way harder <laughs> than he does outdoors. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Uh, I definitely had to adapt my um, belaying style for for you. Um, the way I fed out rope worked for a lot of people until uh, until you. Um, I think 
for me, there was a real benefit in having somebody who spoke the same uh, language when it comes to like uh, training and practicing for climbing yeah. and getting better. He just speaks it way faster. Yeah, way faster, louder, <laughs> uh, more intensely. Um, Sometimes more dramatically. Yeah. Uh, I know. And that was that was really good because I'm super analytical and so I uh, delve in and parse all these things and, and overthink them um, and having somebody else to, to process that out loud with was of uh, <clears throat> great benefit, I think, to, to my climbing. Yeah, I think that's cool that you two have hooked up partly because of that because you know, I met you two in totally different ways. Um, with Tyler, it was a private session at the gym and then and you were just in town for a little bit during that session and yep. then we did another session when you came in the next time and it's just grown over that over time of Tyler reaching out for help with his climbing and with Scott it was I was in this period in the gym where I was I had decided I was going to be very blunt with people because everyone was asking for my advice and and I couldn't just hand it out to everyone because 98% of people didn't listen. So I had decided to give everyone the same advice because everyone needed the same advice and just see who listens, just see who tries it, even if I give them the tiniest little thing. And Scott was one of the few people who actually put to to action what I said he should try to do. And then he would come back a couple sessions later and question things like, well, why am I doing this? And why am I doing this? And and I was like, okay, this dude wants to learn. So I, I felt good giving more advice to him, you know, whereas other people, if they didn't take the first advice, I wouldn't give them advice number two, you know. So it's cool to see that you guys have found that in each other, that that willingness and hunger to understand what's going on, learn more. Um, is that something you talk about during the day while you're out climbing, like in between routes? Is it just constant banter about what could get better or what needs to happen? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, there's like, it's, it's nonstop process learning um i'd say because yeah. if i had to guess based on like the phone calls that i get when you two are in the car on the way back from the crag it's probably not only in between routes but it's in the car on the way to the crag in the car on the way home after you get home you're probably texting each other that's how it seems to me i don't know if that's true at all <laughs> but that's how it seems so <clears throat> i'll put this out there right now my wife refers to Tyler as my boyfriend <laughs> and Tyler's wife refers to me as his husband. husband. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> or so, other wife. I can't. Remember. Yeah. So yes. I mean, in a way what you're describing is not inaccurate. Um, but it's, I think there's a, like a shared hunger. Uh, right. Totally. That, yeah. And that's what kind of fuels all of it. I think part of it comes down to the fact that we are in some ways very similar and in some ways completely opposite. Yeah. Um, our 
climbing styles are different, um, but we can climb very similarly. There's some routes uh, I've looked back at the video at and we're perfectly in sync on some sections of it and climbing completely different in other sections of it. And that really lends itself to a lot of learning. Um, mm -hmm. When we do, or when we do the, the uh, contrast warm-up movement drill, doing sloth monkeys where we're climbing dynamically one time and um, really slowly and statically the other time. Now I think of them as climbing Scott Tyler's because right. he climbs so static and I climb more dynamic. Mm -hmm. And I'll put an extra bit of effort into the static because it's not just a like intellectual exercise anymore. I've seen Scott succeed where I've struggled because right. of his ability to do things more statically, um, hold higher lock-offs, rock over onto higher feet. Yep. Um, and so that really lends itself to a lot of minute dissection of, of our climbing. So I have received angry text messages of photos of Scott <laughs> trying to download the videos I've just done of the side-by-side -side comparison and, you know, Scott's wife wants to hang out. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. And I think that's cool that you you found another level to those drills um, based on the fact that you see Scott do them the opposite way really well. Um, and we've spent some time purposely, you know, playing you two off of each other, which, which in some cases can be a really dangerous thing. Um, but I didn't see that as a dangerous thing with you two at all. It didn't seem as much like a, a competition that was going to end up um, disastrous. It seemed more like a friendly, um, we're both really stoked for each other kind of competition. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that there are people that I feel like hyper competitive with sure, people sure. that I'm climbing with uh, at a very similar level. And they're the people that I find that I'm measuring myself against. Okay, that person sent this, I want to send, right. you know, that type of thing. Right. When it comes to Tyler, I am, and I've, I've said this to you before, I am competitive with him, but it's like, uh, it's at a totally, it's, it's, a, it's like a unique level i find that i compare myself to him without feeling inferior or superior to him but more right. in like a like a sharpening kind of way like consistently that's really cool do you find a similar thing or are, do you feel more competition um i think i probably feel less competition because i'm not as competitive naturally as god is in general um but um, there is that like reality that we're climbing around the same level. In some ways, mm -hmm. I could be considered stronger than Scott, but I've seen him consistently put down harder sport grades than, yep. than I am. Um, and so um, there is a little bit of that, but it is more motivational. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, affect self-worth um, in any way um, because of like what Scott's doing. I get really excited about his uh, 20th, 512 um while i'm trying to get my like fifth um without feeling bad about the scott uh, about, about the fact that scott's like zooming off and i'm still trying to break through that plateau right um, which he's done just to be clear and i need to remind him in the process <laughs> in the process <laughs> yeah well i think that's that's hugely important you know um i actually had a girlfriend once who 
when I climbed a new grade, she got really upset and cried because I had widened the gap between us. That was, that was the way she put it. Wow. And, um, <clears throat> and that's, that's a dangerous kind of competitive feeling, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but when you have that type of competitive feeling or you're comparing yourself, but it doesn't result in your accomplishments feeling degraded or like you said, you feeling inferior or superior, I think that's a really important place to be. I think it's a, a huge boon to both of your climbing to, to be able to have that. I think part of where that comes from for me is this uh, constant digging in really on uh, process goals at this minute areas of getting better because it's, you know, we're both experiencing a steady stream of small successes right? that really makes the like, you know, number of a certain grade we've put down almost irrelevant because there's just this like constant feed of, of joy and accomplishment that we're both having. Yeah. Um, yeah. And beyond that, I think even to add to that, like Tyler recently sent his first 512B and it was shortly after I sent a 512B and a 512A in the same day. And I told you, Chris, mm-hmm. like the highlight of my day was Tyler sending 512B. Right. Like I didn't even care that I was like, <clears throat> that's the second time I've ever put down those two grades in the same day. And it was meaningless by comparison. It was like the highest of highs because it was like watching him put to practice what it was that I believe he's capable of. Right. And, and then celebrating that with him. Yeah, and those are cool phone calls for me to get because I can hear it in both of your voices, you know, in the inflections and and I can tell that it's not a a, a dangerous competitive situation because of those phone calls. You know, and that's why I felt comfortable saying initially um Scott, I want you to do them, do these problems like Tyler does them and I want you Tyler to do these problems like Scott does them you know that's why I felt okay doing that because I I knew it wasn't going to be a competition I send him Instagram videos all the time cussing him (laughs) out because he climbs like a monkey and I watch these guys climbing like monkeys I'm like you son of a and sometimes when we're warming up I'll climb roots a little bit more dynamically and monkey like just to troll Scott (laughs) just to drive him crazy (laughs) yep well that's good that's good to have pushing your own comfort zones is important even if it's just for the sake of driving someone else crazy yeah, we have fun with it, though. Let's talk a little bit about the kind of nuts and bolts of being good partners. When does the scheduling start? <laughs> talk to me about the scheduling of both training and going climbing. So it's funny. We don't, we don't train together a ton. Right. Um, we trained together for a specific period of time. And if we can train together, we try to. Um, and let me, let me just stop you there really quick. But part of that training together, and Tyler, I don't know how much of this you know, um, but part of it was me talking to Scott and saying, okay, here's what I think Tyler is capable of. Here's where I think the hangups are. You don't have these hangups. So 
I'm going to put Tyler on a rope with you and I want to have you push Tyler the same way you push yourself, you know, so that we can get through this hangup. And, and that, that was a gamble for me um, as a coach, as a trainer, because I took a large part of that training cycle off of physical training and made it more about let's dig into the tactics, the process, the trying hard, um, learning a new style of climbing routes. And it felt like a gamble to me. And I was like, fingers crossed every day. And then now that it's paying off, I'm like, I'm a fucking genius. <laughs> but, <laughs> yep. but while it was happening, it was a total gamble. <coughs> um, so part of that time when you were training together was a, a totally um, scheduled thing, you know? Yeah. Much to his wife's chagrin. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's much easier just to pop out in the backyard and do some some bouldering to train than than lose the entire evening going out to yeah. uh, the the climbing gym. Um but anyway, back to the scheduling part of things. Yeah, so we don't we don't train a lot together. We did for a time like you mentioned, but when it comes to outdoor climbing, I mean, we're looking we're both weekend warriors, and so we're looking a weekend out while we're still at the crag, right? Yeah. Which, truthfully, is insane because we climb in Red River Gorge, and Red River Gorge weather changes sometimes Especially by the year. hour in yeah. the spring, specifically, which is yeah. obviously when we are right now. But uh, and so, yeah, we're. I mean, we're looking a week out usually. Sometimes we're looking a little further out, depending on a trip. We bouldered in Chattanooga in January, and we were kind of looking out maybe a month. I think we just try to find the opportunities where we both can climb and then figure out where we can go. So several times we've gone down right. to Chattanooga for bouldering, uh, if not bouldering, because if it's going to pour a bunch of rain, at least it's a bit warmer down there than yep. in the red. But um, you're not waiting last minute to find those opportunities. No, we're just deciding that we're going to go because we both can go and then figuring yep. out where because um, my wife works uh, 80 to 100 hours a week as a resident physician so her time is is pretty precious so if she yep. is not working on a weekend shift um, then I try to spend time with her while sure. I can so sure. um, and one of the nice things about um, Scott as a partner as well is that his wife also is not a climber and so he actually really is understanding about that yeah. balance that I strike with um, my home life. Um, so that, that helps with the, the scheduling. Yeah, yeah, we planned a trip last Friday to go to the Red. We both managed to like squeak out of work and we were going to go for a day trip. We were going to leave early and then get back early. And he's like, all right, I told my wife we'll be back by six. And I got him home by 5.30. And Tyler goes, I'm a half hour early. We're going to go to the park and fly the drone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know, I think that's, I think you guys sort of take that, that aspect of it a little bit for granted because it's it's something you both do somewhat naturally you both have busy schedules 
you both have a home life to think about, you've got other responsibilities, so you are scheduling type people. A lot of climbers that I meet don't schedule shit, and then they don't understand why they don't get to the red or get to wherever. You know, they're like, well, I don't, I don't know what's going on on Sunday. I guess I'll just wait and see. And I'm like, well, if you wait and see, something's going to fucking pop up and you're not going to the red on Sunday. Well, and I'll say this to your point. It, like, I think before Tyler, I was that guy in some respects. I was like the guy at the gym, like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Where are you going? Like, kind of trying to like find a spot where I could be like, you've got three people. Do you want a fourth? Like right. I could come along. I could drive, you know, where I didn't. And even though I had like a crew, they weren't always out or they weren't always going where I wanted to go or whatever. Having a consistent partner has changed that significantly. Yeah. Totally. Because, and we were just talking about this, Tyler, you and I, like how it used to be like, I'd have to coordinate schedules with a bunch of different people and think right. about different things. And now it's just like, hey, when do you have time? Oh, okay. I've got time too. Let's do it. Yep. Yeah. It's so much simpler now. Yeah. And because of the way um, my life works with uh, regular and short notice travel for work, trying to spend quality time with my wife when she's not working there's not like I don't get to pick and choose my weekends necessarily. Right. So if there's a weekend when I can go climbing, I'm going climbing with somebody. Um, right. And you're making time for it yeah. ahead of time. Yeah. You're saving that block of time. Yeah. I think that's something important that a lot of people miss is you're not saying, Oh, well I've got Saturday the 12th off. So I'll just wait until the 10th to see if anything else pops up. On the first, you're saying, okay, Saturday the 12th is off. I'm going climbing. Um, and I think that's a really important aspect of it that a lot of people miss. They just wait for, th wait to see, yeah. you know, and life has a way of getting really, really busy if you let it. Scott, in your situation, was it that that was your personality or was it because that was the paradigm you were sort of presented with because that's how everyone at the gym operates? I guess that's a good question. I think there is a lot of people at RockQuest who operate that way. Oh, yeah. I've and dealt with it for years. There's a lot of people. Yeah. And so, like, you hear it constantly, like, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to end up in the red this weekend. Where are you going? I don't know yet. Yep. And, and it's not just RockQuest. And that's, fair. well, and I'm sure. It's the whole yeah, climbing that's, community. Yeah, like and that's this. my, you know, that's my microcosm, obviously. Yep, totally. But so, having kind of, you know, grown up there, so to speak, um, yeah, I think there was an aspect of like, kind of just wait and see, you know, and then trying to balance that with a marriage and a life and so on and so forth. Um, sometimes you wait and see, and then it's like something else comes up. Right. And whereas now it's like, if I set aside, I mean, to use your example, whatever, like, okay, we've got off the 12th. We know on the first we're going climbing, you know, Tyler and I'll talk about, okay, we're climbing. We don't know where yet, but we're doing it. And that happened, you know, two weeks ago. And we were like, well, it's going to be snowy and 25 degrees in the red. Yeah. So we're going to drive to Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. <laughs> More than a few weekends, I've investigated flights out to Vegas to get to any number of Western destinations, yeah. uh, renting a car and just doing some sort of heinous, epic, like sleep deprived 
48 hours on the ground uh, mission to go climb some stuff. This is um, a sign of addiction, wow. Tyler. Yeah. Yeah, well. Just so you know. If you ask my wife, she would <laughs> tell you it is an addiction. <laughs> I think it definitely is. And and you know what? I've I've done the exact same things where I've just been like, all right, I got two extra days. I'm going to Vitavu, you know? Nice. So you, you find a way to make that crazy addicted shit happen. <clears throat> We live for the pain, but we live for the adventure. It's like <laughs> somehow, I don't know. Totally, like, man. I, I get it. So you said that more on the nuts and bolts of this, um, you don't train together often. Do you still talk about the training? Do you still discuss it even though you're not together while you're doing it? Yeah, uh, definitely. I think we... Partially why we're not training a ton together is because we're training different things according to different needs. So there mm -hmm. was a really good overlap there with what my needs were um, to, to push through um, some mental hangups on trying hard. Um, Scott was instrumental in that. Um, we enjoy training together, so we do... Uh, do some of the, the bouldering workouts together, but mm -hmm. I think we also prioritize our own training needs sure. in a way that, um, you know, Scott said you know, the other day he didn't want come over and um, do his four by fours at my place because doing four by fours on a moon board is going to destroy him. Wreck um, his elbows even further. Yeah. Um, oh good call, Scott. Whereas Thanks. I just got the new moon board holds and I wanted to, to play on the moon board. So, <laughs> Um, there's a there's a bit of that going on, but certainly there's a lot of talking about it um, afterwards. Scott's like retelling me in video messages of all the precise beta and like telling me about the the moves I would love and the moves that I'd be proud of, how he did them, and like my style. And yeah, there's a lot of a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, and I get videos from Tyler on the moon board and and videos of other people on the moon board. And so we're constantly talking about the different ways we climb and we, we poke fun at each other too. Cause he'll send me a video and he'll go, I don't think I can do this problem because look at this high foot this guy uses. And I'm like, dude, you just got to rock over on right. it. It's not a big right. deal. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we talk about training a lot and it really, it becomes a way of mentally training in a way, I think totally because we're constantly again, just sharpening, yeah, that, that feedback and reflection loop that happens is such an important integral part of the learning process that you you just can't have that learning process without it, you know, and you guys have fallen into that just naturally. And I think that's really cool. And I think that's part of what sort of cements a partnership together when it becomes more than just oh, our schedules line up and we're going to go climb outside together. You know, you're both taking an interest and being invested in each other's, not only what you're doing while you're out at the crag, but what's happening in the gym as well, even when you're not there. So I think that's huge. And I think that gets back to the fact that it's more a passion about the process that, that we're both hooked on. Um, so it doesn't matter whether it's in the, the performance aspect or whether it's in something that we're trying to dial in in training or, or in any are other arena. And Tyler's the one who, by all rights, I think 
I think I had a passion for the process, but would have never labeled it as such and never right. realized it as such. And it was the first trip we took together to the Red, I don't know, late October last year. And I had fallen off last rites on my second go. And I thought that was going to be the send go. And I fell off on a move I shouldn't have fallen off on. And I was pissed. And I wasn't throwing a wobbler or anything, but I know my attitude wasn't the best. And I kind of apologized, like, oh, I'm sorry, my attitude's shitty right now, whatever. And he, you know, he's like, it's okay. All part of the process. This route still has something to teach you. And I just remember like, feeling like, oh man, you just put language to something mm -hmm. that I think I don't necessarily know that I had language to before that. Right. Yeah, yeah. I reminded him of uh, you saying, Chris, that you used to smile when you fell off roots because mm -hmm. the roots still have something to teach you. Yeah, I right. just felt like, oh man, they just showed me who was boss. Like, I thought I was running the show here, but I'm not. And, and I think that's a cool feeling, you know? And, and you've definitely had that curiosity scott but i like that you said tyler put a language to it for you you know and i know you've had it because i i distinctly remember a time in the gym a couple of years ago when i was doing perfect repeats and you were watching and you you came up to me and were like um why are you climbing that problem over and over again you know and I explained it to you and you were like, oh, okay, that makes total sense, you know, but you were curious enough to ask um, because you, you knew there was something I was doing that made me a good rock climber and you wanted to know what it was. And even if it didn't make sense watching what I was doing, you thought, oh, maybe there's just something I don't know about this, you know, so... Every time I do perfect repeats, I think about the fact that I asked you that. Yeah. N not kidding. Cool. Yeah, I told, I remember that moment really <laughs> distinctly. So, are there things, and I'm totally going to put you both a little bit on the spot here. I didn't prep you with these questions at all, but... Boy, I better sip my beer. Are there things that, knowing what you know now you would look for in future partners any specific things and why don't we take a quick break i'll give you both time to think about it and then we'll get back to it break. what's up everybody chris here pardon the interruption i'll keep this short and sweet since this podcast started taking off and we've been growing it you guys have been asking how you can help out i've got three ways for you number one you can become a patron that just means you give a monthly donation to the podcast, a dollar and up, and you get something in return. And you can check out what those rewards are at patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast. Best of all, we'll keep it sponsor and commercial free for you. Number two, you can rate us and review us on iTunes. I know it's a pain in the ass to go to iTunes and do all that, but it really helps us out. At least that's what I'm told by the podcast powers that be. And number three... Perhaps the easiest way and the best way to help us out is to share us on your social medias. Anytime you see us post up a new podcast, please share it with your friends. Tag people who will really appreciate it or who need to hear the advice that we're giving. All right. Thank you, guys. And back to the show. Okay, we are back. And 
I don't think you guys had any time to think about these questions because all we really did was reminisce and talk about other things. So you're just thrown under the bus. You're just going to have to figure it out. So knowing what you know now uh, about how effective partnerships work, what would you look for in a partner in the future? Well, I mentioned this to Tyler right after we kind of stopped recording, but my first reaction to that was like, I don't, I don't get the question. I don't want to. Tyler's right here. <laughs> like, uh, but and, and we'll dig into that in a few minutes. Yeah. But. Yeah. But that being said, um, I think it's like a complimentary thing for me initially. There's some sort of push and pull, some sort of, you know, um, just that sharpening, I think I've mentioned a couple times, you know, uh, without that, you know, it's easy to have someone on the end of a rope give you a catch. But Tyler and I were talking about uh, projecting later next week. And he's like, well, I've got friends and I don't know if I'm going to be there. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want someone else on the other end of the rope because I want to hear your voice yelling the things that I know you know to tell me. Right. Coaching you the way you want to be right. coached. Yeah. So it's that, I think, <clears throat> at least for me. I think uh, thinking about some of my other favorite uh, conning partners over the years, there's a few common threads, at least in terms of some of the easier things that I might be able to find in a conning partner. There's obviously like... Uh, we struck gold a little bit in terms of our compatibility and, and what we each bring to the table that makes us better climbers with, with Scott and I that um, would be hard to replicate. But some of the things that are is easier to identify would be um, uh, a real hunger for getting after it. Um, and that is about getting better, getting stronger, going out and doing more things, doing harder things, going to more places. Um, Scott can attest to my constant stream of um, Instagram climbing photos from around the world. <laughs> like the 38th trip we've got on the books, um, yeah. places that we're going to go climb together. My tick list is constantly um, Nothing to do with the gray, but then there's also all the things about all these hard things we want to climb and all the ways we want to get better. So <clears> I've um, Scott's not the only climbing partner I've shared that with, and it's something that I really value because it's part of what I really enjoy in climbing. Um, a second thing would be... An, endless amount of positivity because that goes a long way in um, everything that we do. Um, especially Does it have to be as loud as Scott's positivity? It doesn't have to be as loud. <laughs> okay. It can be a quiet positivity. <laughs> just just uh, curious. For the record, Tyler has endless positivity too. We feed off of one do. another really yeah. well in that way. When yeah. I'm down, he's up. It's, it's like this great way. If I've just failed on something, he's positive about it or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, you, I think you guys just hit on something that's really important and really hard to find. Um, I see a lot of couples, actually, um, married couples or boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever it might be. When one of them has a bad day, they both have to have a bad day, you know? And they'll see to it that the other one's having a bad day, too. <laughs> and, and I see that a lot, far too often. Um, and being able to be okay with, okay, I'm having a shit day, but you're having a great day. Let's put some energy into that. 
being able to step back and say that I think is is a really key component of a really effective partnership. You know, one of the things that I didn't mention initially um, is friendship. And I think Tyler and I have forged a very quick uh, but very deep friendship. And one of the pieces of our friendship um, that's there is we are both married and have been married for, I don't know, you're like eight years and I'm coming up on 10. And so we can use that knowledge uh, to our advantage. Having both been in long-term committed relationships, we understand what it's like to have someone else there sure. who maybe is having a bad day and hell-bent on <clears throat> making you have a bad one or or whatever. And And so I think we both know what that's like. And I think there's something in us that just is like we're not spouses, obviously, you know, despite what our wives might say. (laughs) (laughs) I need to mic your little noises over there, Sarah, because these are amazing. (laughs) Touching on that as well, I think uh, one of the things that um, Scott and I enjoy about each other is the the level of self-awareness that we each have. Um, And that may come from as well um, being in... um, long-term i'd say successful yeah, relationships totally um, for sure and spending a lot of time like, digging into that for ourselves um for ourselves and other relationships and and whatnot yeah that's that's really important and that's a, that's a really good observation that you can take what you've learned from your significant other from those relationships even if they're not climbers that doesn't matter in the slightest um and take that to this relationship because a a partnership really is a relationship um, more so or not just in the, you know, dictionary definition of relationship. It's a, it's a real relationship. There's a lot of emotion, a lot of struggle that happens when you're out rock climbing. Um, So you really, are in a for an effective partnership it really is a pretty deep relationship when i think that touches like to your point there um one thing that i would be looking for in a partner you know if and when i were to not have tyler would be uh (laughs) would be honesty um yeah and i think there's a lot of posturing in the climbing community you don't say um and and i while i i can be like prideful i don't think i posture and so when i look for someone i'd be looking for someone who would be just honest honest about who they are honest about where they are honest about what they see in me and and so on and so forth because i think that just goes like so far into creating some sort of a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Yeah, the third point that um, I had come up with was um, more related to the... Tyler thought this through. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're just making it up. While we were discussing. He had a spreadsheet, (laughs) but he had a spreadsheet before he got here, Chris. (laughs) Yeah. Third point relates to this in that it uh, is 
humility and curiosity. And that's kind of mm. where I landed on yeah, thinking yeah. about uh, that, being really interested in the process, um, I think to just kind of make it a little bit more generic and a little bit more approachable in terms of uh, getting away from the specific language that, that we use within um, the the people that work with power company climbing or, you know, listen to the, the podcast is just being um, humble and curious to find ways to get better um, and improve and grow as, as climbers and as people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing I think about all of these, and this is something that Tyler and I share is all of these translate to life really well. Yeah. And I think Tyler and I both look at climbing as like this tiny little, microcosm for life totally. and if we can consume climbing or consume life as hard as we consume climbing then we're winning and so yeah yeah I, I think that's a really cool way to look at things and and i completely agree that you know so many of the lessons that we learn climbing translate over to real life and vice versa um, obviously i put climbing first before real life but naturally <laughs> But it translates both ways, you know, and, and there's a lot to learn from both things that you can take into the other, mm. um, which, you know, sort of brings us to this thing you've been alluding to in your <laughs> denial, Scott, um, that Tyler is moving and you're moving to nope. Malawi, nope. Africa, and... Yeah, not just a little bit moving. I'm, yeah, I'm big yeah. moving. Yeah, it's not like you're just moving to the other side of the red and you guys can meet in the middle. This is a big move. And what do you two see that partnership looking like afterward? Have you even thought about it? Or- <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I, most- just just to set the stage here. <laughs> yeah. No, we've thought about it already. Sarah is over here saying that the thinker has thought about it, but the feeler has not. And when I first walked in, I mentioned something about it, and Tyler said, "Oh, we don't talk about that in this house." And this is Scott's house. Scott is the feeler, so yeah, makes total sense. But to be fair, we have we've talked about it quite a bit. Yeah, and I think. Something that um, we're discussing on the break that uh, I kind of came to a realization and appreciation for coming from the questions we had before the break is that there's a whole lot of partnership that Scott and I do that isn't on the same wall in the same room. Yep. Um, So I'm excited for the fact that, you know, I still have all of that to look forward to. Um, And we have talked about um, meeting up for various international climbing vacations um as well um in sunny beach vacation areas for our wives to (laughs) to come along Um, that's really smart well as long as the sand is warm and the drinks are cold our wives will be happy (laughs) 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 yeah we've we've talked quite a bit um you know i think one of the things that tyler and i do well together is we kind of dream um, we throw out big dreams and Tyler is a bit of a visionary and luckily I'm someone who catches vision. Um, and so, you know, he's got some dreams about what he wants to do in Malawi and I've got thoughts about how I'd love to be a part of that or help in that. And we've talked about that developing boulders or routes or, um, whatever. And then we're constantly talking about different 
whether it's Mallorca or Australia or Argentina or Canada, it doesn't matter. Sure. Yeah, I think that's that's cool. And I've mentioned this on the podcast multiple times that you know, one of my best friends, Yasmin, and I have this ongoing weekend climbing thread that's you know now stretching nearly a decade um, where even if we climbed together that weekend, Yasmin is so obsessive about it that she has to recount the entire weekend for me so that it's on the record, you know, but oftentimes, especially now that I'm in Wyoming and Yasmin is in Knoxville, we don't climb together. So it's fun to get those, those reports and be able to keep up with what that person is doing and tell them what you're doing. And, and I think that's, that's really big. Um, it's a big help to have because it's something you're always looking forward to, even in those moments when you don't have that partner on the ride home or whatever, you know, Yasmin and I were just like you two in that we would start planning at the crag that weekend. You know, if we weren't climbing together, by the time I got in cell service, I would get a text from Yasmin, like, where are you climbing next week? You know, so it was a constant planning process. It was constant talking about beta, talking about um, what we had to do to get to where we wanted to be or how happy were, we were to be where we are, whatever it might be. And just having that available is massive, you know, and I'm, I'm super stoked for you guys to have found that however brief it's been um but to have found that and be able to carry that on after the move we uh not to not to bring that uh story anywhere other than it's supposed to be but we actually ran into yasmin uh two weeks ago in the obed oh yeah i saw on facebook that you said it was good <laughs> to run into her yeah it was crazy we uh <laughs> Tyler and I were chasing temps and uh, had a great day and decided the next day on the way home, we'd stop at the Obed and get our ass handed to us by roof climbs. And we saw Yaz and that was, it was a super treat to see her. Yeah. But um, what you're saying gives me some hope for that distance. Um, because yeah, to own... Uh, that piece of me, there's a part of me that just wants to kind of plug my ears and close my eyes and go, la, 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 la. It's not going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and Tyler and I have this big trip planned to the red here next week. And we're going to be in the red all week with some friends from Canada. And so like, I'm just looking at that. Like, I'm like, that's right. the thing that's right. here. Um, but I know that on the other side of that, that ball's going to start rolling a lot faster. We're going to be into May and then we're going to be into June. And then before I know it, Tyler's going to be gone. And so to hear you kind of talk about um, that piece of that, it's, you know, it's good to know um, because we do have that. We've got that ability to stay sort of connected even when yeah. we're not. I think we're already experiencing uh, a little microcosm of that. Like I mentioned um, that, uh, Scott will tell me about boulders I would have loved or um, <laughs> things right. like that. And, and, you know, we had this, 
strange experience in a very short span of time of when we were climbing apart, um, it almost being like the other person, we, we knew what the other person would be telling us if they were there. Um, so, you know, I'll say to Scott, oh, you would have been <clears throat> proud of me because I used this like ridiculous high foot that you would have told me to do. Or, you know, there, there's a definite like, um, you know, going beyond the actual in-person partnership that, yeah. that we've made an indelible mark on each other in terms of how we process our climbing. Good language. Yeah, absolutely. Yasmin once told me that she broke up with a boyfriend because she knew I wouldn't like him. So <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on here, Yaz, but I did. So I think know. that's, you know, in some ways, like that's, that's just true community. Like you're talking, and so, and I, I mentioned sort of casually before the friendship aspect of our partnership, but... That's been huge yeah. for the And it's two valuing of us. the other person's feedback, you know, mm. and knowing what their feedback would be after a while. Right. You know, your climbing is changing because in the gym, you now you know how Tyler would do it. You know <laughs> what he would say about how he does it. So you know that you should be trying it that way. And the, and the same goes for you, Tyler. You know that Scott would do it with this high foot and rock over that foot, you know. Yeah. There's also, though, um, I guess maybe coming back to the, the friendship or the humility, there's an element of uh, being able to say no to the feedback as well without oh, it sure. being for sure. uh, a blow or, or causing any, any hard feelings. Um, I was um, coming back from you know, getting my legs under me uh, after, after a long break. And I was getting really heady about leading um, this 512. And so... I just wanted to top rope it, and Scott didn't think it was the right choice. He thought I should take um, some intentional lead falls, get over the lead head, but I felt I just wanted to remember what it was to try hard on a hard rock climb, mm -hmm. w remove one component of it, um, and um, did a couple laps on top rope, suddenly remembered that rock climbing is hard, I need to try hard um, <laughs> after a long break. I can't just, you know... Uh, work my way around that um, then you know immediately went and, and took uh, a good whip over on one of the hardest climbs I've, I've ever done afterwards um, and, and got got over it quickly got over it my way and I, I knew myself enough to do that and to be able to say no and Scott fully supported my decision to get on that wall on top rope even though he he didn't necessarily think it was going to be the best strategy and that was a, a really nice moment of the partnership. Cool. And what was it, the very next day or the day after that, you sent that 12A? Yep. Which made it his third, and then a week later, he's sending 12B. I mean... Yeah, and yeah. I kind of want to talk about that 12B a little bit. Let's... Um, I've got one more question I don't want to forget, but let's, let's get into the 12B first, because I think it was a really interesting few weeks for the both of you, and... And I really enjoyed the series of messages and phone calls that took place throughout it. So, you know, starting with, and we can kind of, we can kind of cruise through this, starting with Scott's freak out phone calls of <clears throat> the season's here. I'm not ready. I've got no fitness. What the fuck is going on? I'm not sure if I trust this process. And we talked through it and you were like, okay, I trust the process. Let's go. And then a week later, you're like, 
all my fitness is here, you know? So tell me a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about that moment of feeling like the fitness wasn't there, like you weren't ready. And then we'll, we'll kind of move into this, this first 12 B for Tyler. Uh, so I took a few weeks, uh, just over two weeks in Europe. And during that time I climbed twice, um, barely, uh, and it was all sort of new setting and yada, yada, yada. So it made it kind of difficult and I wasn't keeping up fitness and I didn't feel like because of some injuries, I didn't feel like I had trained through the winter. So when I came back, like first trip out, um, I, I guess even looking back on it now, it seems so silly. First trip out, I flashed an 11D. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not bad. And I worked a 12D. And I got to the top of it three times. And yeah, the fitness was crappy, but it, you know, whatever. And then <clears throat> it was the next week when I went and got on this ridiculously hard 12C that has managed to shut me down repeatedly. Uh, and... <laughs> I was feeling like, man, I just don't have the fitness I think I wanted to have right now. Like I thought I would have better fitness coming into this season. And I was freaking out about it. And I was looking at what we were doing and I was processing that and I questioned it. And we which, which I'm glad you did. I'm, I'm not definitely yeah. not saying you shouldn't question and you totally should. And I'm glad I did too, because it, what it did for me was just solidify so much like how power company as a coaching team is in my corner as much as anything else because we were focused on not just creating fitness but keeping track of my elbows in the midst of it and it was mm -hmm. like okay that makes sense um and so and then it was the week after that tyler came back <clears throat> from his trip from his trip two weeks in chile and argentina yeah. so two weeks without any climbing and then um leading up to that i think the last time we had really been on i had really been on a rope outside was um the 21st of december the winter solstice um <laughs> and then there was work <laughs> yeah some uh some bouldering and then otherwise you know not a lot of um outdoor rope climbing um but in that sort of january february window that's when um, scott and i logged a lot of indoor sessions uh, right. working on um trying to climb one painful move more um, when I wanted to give up six moves ago um, uh, training. That's when I came back. Um, and so when Tyler came back, that was when we went out, we got on a couple things and I felt, I, I felt shitty to be honest, but I worked the moves on last rights, remembering kind of how it went and then put it down next go. And which is 12B. yeah, which was a pretty big deal for me. Next day, we're out at left flank, and I resent Wild Yet Tasty, 12A, and I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. And I worked the moves and worked really hard on Mercy the Huff. Came back that Monday and sent first go Mercy the Huff. And so, had this amazing weekend, sending two 12Bs, repeating a 12A, and then followed it up the following Saturday by putting down in Alabama of all places, <laughs> another 12B and a 12A. And I suddenly am realizing like, oh, hey, this process 
wasn't for naught. Like what's starting to solidify in my mind is maybe, yeah, my fitness wasn't where I thought it was, but all of the practice that I've been doing, all of the intentional processing that I've been doing with Tyler about, oh yeah, when I'm rooting, I'm doing this. Oh, when I'm doing sloth monkeys or Scott Tyler's as we call them, uh, <laughs> I'm, you know, I, and I am every time I do a monkey, I'm thinking, okay, Tyler would do it this way. He'd be rhythmic. He would swing and he would, and it's just that intentional right. movement. And I'm realizing how just that has had such a significant impact on my climbing because between fingers and shoulders and elbows, like, yeah, my training wasn't that great over the winter, mm -hmm. but all of that practice has culminated into something that's meaningful. Yep. And Tyler has helped kind of assure me of that as well. Which, which brings me to this, that weekend, Tyler in the red, when Scott did last rights and did uh, mercy, the huff, That was one of your first weekends back out. Yeah, that was my first weekend <clears throat> back out. Right. So tell me a little bit about it. I knew going in that it was going to be um, a little bit shaky just because it was the, the first weekend back. Even the first, uh, I'd only had the first um, kind of bouldering session in, the, in my home gym um, the Wednesday beforehand and I was sore for days even though I wasn't didn't even try anything hard everything right. just seemed hard I was being slapped around by easy <laughs> easy climbs um, so I knew it was going to be a little bit tough um, and it was I think it was raining so we went to the um, the infirmary and I got on last rights for the first time which is uh, definitely an anti-style and um only I think the second 11B or 12B rather that I'd ever like gotten on. Um, and I felt decidedly <clears throat> shaky and weak. Um, sure. It's, but, it's, I mean, that's understandable being that it's yeah. a total anti-style and the one of the hardest routes you've been on. Yeah. And not just for the, um, not anti-style just in the, the sake of being uh, pumpy, but in something that's really steep uh, in a way that I've had to actively work on really steep routes to, to mm -hmm. gain comfort, just hanging out in those positions and not feeling super gripped. Um, so, you know, that first day, I knew I was feeling weak and shaky. I was okay with it. Um, I was super excited for Scott. A little bit, like, down on myself for, like, oh, man, like, I've been training hard for um, a year and knew that my mental game was was still holding me back um, on our last drive back to the from climbing. Scott and I were discussing the the biggest three things holding each of us back in, in climbing, and my number one is definitely the the whole mental game umbrella um so um i was trying to be patient with myself um then we went out to um to left flank and like i said i was really having a hard time i was getting nervous watching scott lead wild yet tasty there was something about the route that just kind of got under my skin so I top roped it um, and just remembered how to climb and remembered how to try hard um, and fight. And, and that was great. Uh, went over to Infectious, which is definitely a 12B that plays to my strengths in that it's a 45-foot boulder. Um, <laughs> and um, it, it was a miracle that it had dried on that soaking wet day. And uh, I tried it, and I had no problem with the supposedly heinous opening boulder problem. And if... Uh, my 
uh, raw skin hadn't sabotaged me, which is one of my other major things holding me back as a climber, um, <laughs> from uh, being able to focus on my feet. I was I was damn near close to uh, doing really well, um, perhaps flat on sighting uh, uh, my first 12B. Um, it was it was a, a pretty eye-opening experience and definitely helped with the mental game and, and kind of reassuring me that I really do have the strength. I just need to to learn to to put it put it out there. On a quick side note, I will never forget hearing Tyler scream, immediately <laughs> insist on being dirted after falling, which confused me, untying his knot faster than I've ever seen, and then running to a puddle to douse his hands <laughs> in cold water. Yeah, that cold puddle felt so good. Um, <laughs> my hands felt like I was squeezing molten lead at that time. Um but so that was really encouraging. We came back um, on the uh, the Monday after a rest day, having grown some skin back, um, warmed up on um, uh, to defy laws of tradition, just a couple laps on that, and then uh, straight to Wild Yet Tasty 12A, put it down, um, no problem, um, on lead, no no head issues, um, would have gotten on infectious and and optimistically put it down that day but um the rain did not allow it was it was soaking wet yeah um, and i had mentioned earlier that this whole thing was a bit of a gamble um for me as a coach because i knew we were working on some kind of nebulous concepts things that are really hard to measure um hard to know exactly whether they're working or not and part of part of me, Scott, when you called me, I was I was sitting in the parking lot of the post office. I had just taken a bunch of stuff in, or I was about to go in, and I remember smiling when you were talking about how you were freaking out because your fitness wasn't there, because I knew when Tyler came back, he was going to be having those same moments about I haven't been on a rope, I haven't gotten my head wrapped around this. And I thought, how perfect is it that they're both going to have to struggle a little bit with with part of this rope climbing game at the same time? Mm. And and I really wanted to see how that played out. And that first weekend is when I first started saying, oh, I'm a fucking genius. Because it really it really worked out well you're you're freaking out about your fitness and then you send a fitness 12b and then tyler who's been working on the head game is coming in really rusty and seeing that head game sort of melt away melt away yeah. disappear in just a couple of days I think was was massive and I'm glad it happened on the same weekend that that both yeah. of you saw those big jumps. I definitely described that <clears throat> weekend as being quite the journey um uh after it and I also think um to attest to the the genius strategy Chris I I think when Scott was belaying me on Wild Yet Tasty he uh, uh made a comment later on alluding to the fact that um, he could barely recognize who he was belaying because I was actually fighting and, and uh, trying hard when things were getting desperate and sloppy um, instead of trying to um, uh, just 
hold back um, and, and do it better and more clean. I was so, actually watching the rope closer than ever as he tried that 12A because I thought, I'm like, oh God, he's in the crux and I'm watching. And he later told me, he's like, yeah, I actually, I felt really good. I was just making sure I had the beta and I was being really intentional about it, which is not the Tyler that I've watched climb, which right. was so cool. Right. Yeah. And, and then it was shortly at, was it the next time you guys climbed outside yeah, together next weekend. that you went to Alabama? Yep. Yep. Right. Okay. So let's talk about that day because I got certainly one of the coolest phone calls of my career um, after that after that day in Alabama and and I took it while I was in a climbing session at the gym um, during the performance climbing coach seminar in Maryland and I was just by myself climbing it was like my unwind time and it was the perfect time we interrupted to get that <laughs> no doubt I, I didn't see it as interrupted at all actually it, it was the perfect time to get that call like it's been crazy frantic now i get to unwind a little bit and hearing this kind of success story was was really big so tell me a little bit about that day well the day started uh at some of our favorite places in chattanooga and then driving to little river canyon and then we had to figure out how to get doa down to Lizard Wall. Yeah. We'd been to Lizard Wall once before on a particularly rainy weekend. Um, and at that time, uh, my dog Doa had stayed in the car because we knew we were only there for like a couple hours um, and uh, didn't want to get Doa down the 15, maybe 20 foot cliff that you have to um, use a rope to, uh, to get down. Um, so the, the day started out really exciting with uh, <laughs> conquering that, that challenge with Scott lowering me um, on belay while I had Doa in my arms and um, we didn't rig it quite perfectly. So I ended up taking about a five foot fall and ending up upside down with the dog still in my arms. Um, I didn't hear this part in the call. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I figured as I was remembering that day, you were like, walk me through it. And I was like, oh, I remember the first part of that day. <laughs> yeah. It started really interesting. Um, oh. But we had also been to, so we'd been to Lizard Wall once before and we had looked at Estrella because the description sounded like something that um, sounded like fun to me, a really hard boulder problem at the bottom and then sustained uh, easier climbing to the chains, which is more of a boulder than a sport climber that, that appeals to me. Um, Scott had actually figured out how to do the bottom boulder problem um, that previous weekend in the wet, which was insanely impressive. Um, because of our slight height difference, I ended up having to figure out different beta on the, the second weekend and never figured it out the first time. So I was coming at it um, pretty fresh. Um, but we really just we wanted to, we thought it's kind of a terrible weather weekend. Let's just go and try and send that particular climb that we had both thought was cool. So yep. that was kind of the, the whole mission. Drove to Alabama with the intention of sending Estrella Escura and both did. Just walked up to it for the first time and... Um, I don't know, Tyler and I have this habit of, I just get on the climb first. And I think it's because it started with, I wanted to onsite certain things. Mm -hmm. And so wherever we go, I just get on a, like, we don't even talk about it now. I just get on a climb, which is a weird <clears throat> thing. But, um, and I jumped on Estrella and I immediately pulled the, the, 
the bottom part of the crux. And I was like, well, I did that much quicker than I expected. Okay. And it was Things like being dry helps. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out. And the third bolt was where I wasn't able to pull past the last time because of the wet. And so I'd never seen it, never touched it. I just slid off and quickly did that kind of bolt to bolt did the rest of it. Like, yeah, this feels fine. Came down and then Tyler jumps up it and starts flailing, <laughs> <I was flailing. laughs> figuring <laughs> things out. He starts figuring things out. I was trying to do the Scott beta on the bottom and, um, that was never going to work. Yeah. I think Scott and I have roughly the same arm span, but he's got about two inches of leg length on me, which normally isn't ever a big, big factor. Um, but on this particular route, it was interesting that I just couldn't reach. Um, I couldn't span this, um, tips of my toes to tips of my fingers move and had to come up with a couple different um, additional moves to to grab sort of the opening crux hold um, the consequence of which was my feet were in a much better position afterwards and then the next few moves were actually much easier for for me than than Scott so this was an interesting route to look at a side by side later on and see climbing it totally differently at the bottom and then almost like I didn't even have to sync up the videos it was we were perfectly in sync when climbing the the top well that's what I was good I was just about to say that you can hear just by the way you're describing the the micro beta of the route and how this beta set you up better for the next beta that not only have you two discussed it, but you've put a lot of thought into this as we've, you know, we've talked about earlier in this conversation and, and you record this stuff and you put them side by side so that you can see the differences. And that's a Tylerism. And I think that's really cool. And I would love to, if, if it's okay with you to share that video, you know, in the show notes of, of this episode um, so that people can, take a look at it and just just see what it is that you two are doing that that you can both then use as a reflection point later yeah i I don't have a problem with that um i think one of the things that we do well is we watch each other very closely on things like that and so when i'm trying to redo something because oftentimes when you're on sighting you're not always it's a little more intuitive. You're not always like, and you come back to it and you're like, wait, what foot was that that I used here? Right, right, right. Because you're trying to dial it a little more. And so what we do is we'll watch each other. So um, as he's dialing that beta on the bottom, I was like, no, you actually, you walked this left up first, then you walked this right up. And it becomes this, I I don't know, this communicative thing Mm -hmm. where we're, and it was walking ins- each other forward. Instrumental on that in particular because that opening move was so difficult the way I ended up doing it that I like almost I was blackout. I don't know where my feet right. were in it. It was right. just like I had to <clears throat> squeeze everything with all my might um, to hold that initial move. And then um, so I really like relied on Scott to tell me actually what my feet were doing during that. Yeah, cool. we use your language constantly, which is like shared language. So we talk about dialing up the tension and then dialing it back. Yep. And we'll tell each other that while we're on the route. So he hits that first sequence and his tension hits, you know, 11. And then he moves into the next and he hits the first jug and the first words out of my mouth are dial it back. Yep. You know, yeah. Cool. So then you end up sending first. 
Yeah, I sent it pretty quick. Second go, I got on it and second go that day. Yeah, second go that day, got on it and sent it pretty much no problem. Yeah, we both bolt bolted it as a warm up and went over moves repeatedly and did kind of link up sections from different rest to different rest to try to um, map it out and make sure that we had kind of the the most efficient beta. Um, So what made you this comfortable, Tyler? It's it's the hardest. You hadn't sent 12B yet. What are some of the factors that make you that comfortable to just go bolt to bolt as part of your warm-up on what might be the hardest route you've ever done? I think I've found from trying things bolt to bolt that there's <clears throat> like it's really uh, approachable to get on things and, and do a bolt to bolt because mm-hmm. um, it's really easy to retreat. It's you know if you can't figure it out, you can um, lower down, grab a stick clip, move it up one uh, the the clip up one so that you're still on top rope to try the moves. Um, there's, you know, very few things, especially in the red that has moved so hard. You can't do them in the root. That's usually not the problem. It's usually more of a, a fitness problem. And I think being that I gravitate more towards bouldering anyway, it's just like bouldering on a bigger wall, um, taking those, those breaks. So, um, and also I think when I have done, um, the, the three 12 A's I had done up to that point when I had done them, they all had felt pretty easy um, mm-hmm. when I had in fact sent, um, which was also true of Australia Skira. Yeah. So, so through all this, you had, you had realized that your ability was higher than what yeah. you were showing. Yeah. And understatement. And, and I think we can't, you know, undervalue the idea of this like shared mission. I think that's a that's a really cool thing to be a part of. Um, even if, and I and I'm not saying this was the situation there, but even if it's a, a mission of one partner and the other, not a co-opt is the wrong word, but but joins in for the mission and makes it their own mission as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's a massive help in pushing your own limits is having that partner who's around a similar level. I think it's even more helpful when they're opposite styles and, and then sharing missions together that are either in your style or out of your style. You know, when it becomes a shared mission, I think it just pulls up the entire, the entire group, you know, yeah, and I think this is only, we haven't actually shared that many climbs right. together. So this yep. is only like, I don't know, maybe the fourth that we've actually tried to share together. Right. Um, and most of them have been like 12 A's or something that I put down really quick. In fact, I remember Tyler looking at me. It was like break the scene, the solstice, the last time you were on a rope before the trip. And he was like, I got to stop bringing you to my projects. Well, and it's part of your makeup, Scott, to say, and we talked about this in the very beginning, it's just part of your natural makeup to believe that everyone else can do the thing that you're doing. Yeah. And 
at this point in the partnership, when you guys are in Alabama, what's happened is we've taken the skills that Tyler has and added some of those to your tool bag. And we've taken the skills that you have, Scott, and added some of those to Tyler's tool bag. And so now it's getting closer to the point where Tyler is capable of doing the things. He mm-hmm. has the skill set now to do the things mm-hmm. yeah. that you believe he can do. Scott's really good at putting himself out there and and leaving it all out on the field in a way that mm-hmm. I am loath to do. Um, I, I joke that I want to just go into a, a room and read about how to climb 513 and, and you know, and make just that, be able to do it and just be able to do it. But it turns out I got to go out there and actually like <laughs> try really hard and not just intellectualize my way to the top. But on the flip side, I think that my analyzing and intellectualizing has, has helped Scott process um, on his proje- projects and about his, um, his own climbing progression. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I think, doubt. I think so. A hundred percent. I think this is, is a really cool, partnership that's worked in a lot of ways that you two have recognized and in some ways that maybe you didn't recognize they were working and, for sure and i think that's really cool so you end up sending your first 12b yep i we went did the bolt to bolt and then um took a break and then i went for a send attempt and um the, there's an upper crux that I think the beta, I wouldn't have, like it would have taken me a while to come up with this beta, but um, Scott had pointed it out to me and it, it was really efficient and, and worked great in the end. Um, so that was like a cool, another, another bonus of, of the partnership is beta that I wouldn't have thought of, I don't think, until like maybe the eighth try on that move. Um, but I um, got flustered there or something, and it, it felt hard from, from top to bottom, and I don't know why. Um, so after I took the whip there, we did some more, more link-ups there to practice and rehearse the moves. Um, still felt really hard and really difficult. Um, came down, planned to take a long break. Scott went over to work on on-siding a, a 12A just to, to try to work on his on-siding skills. Um, and... Uh, uh, after that, at the very end of the day, I had been kind of going back and forth in my head as to whether I hated this route or not, or whether I like this is really great. <laughs> like I hate this <clears throat> block I have to rest on. It's terrible. I feel awful. I was fifty-fifty um, on whether or not he was even going to get on it again. Yeah, like, I, I had a hunch like he might yeah. just be like, "You're you got to just go get the draws." When, like, when I blew it on my my send attempt, I was fifty-fifty on whether I was just going to clean it right there. I just was not not convinced, but. Um, it was one of those not entirely classic like end of day release of expectations but um, I definitely did just um, kind of let go and try to do it do it quickly and um, managed to, to get my execution head on and it, it felt really easy. I got to the through the first three bolts that was the, the crux to the sit down ledge and hardly even felt like I needed to rest like then got up to the block that I hated to rest on, and it felt like a glorious jug. I had no problems. Um, got up, made a power grunt to do that upper crux move where I fell before. Um, I rarely hear Tyler grunt. Yep. <laughs> and um, and then when I had previously on the send attempt gone through the the um, easier jugs at the top to, to get to the anchors, even those felt like tenuous as I was uh, powered down and kind of gassed, but they felt like 
glorious jugs all the way to the top. It just yeah. felt super casual the whole way. It was uh, cool. it was a crazy feeling. Cool. He looked so flawless. And so I, I, flawless. I loved getting getting that phone call because not only did it mean I was a genius, but obviously, but I love seeing more than just the progression more than just i just did my first 12b i love that the process was so um so thought out that it was something that you had put a lot of energy into um not not me at all i didn't put any energy into it i just came up with a few ideas and you guys did all the work and and you knew why you were doing the work and and you went at it and i think that's the part that makes me the proudest and the most psyched to hear the story you know i get stoked knowing that people are pushing their limits um you know and like you just said scott you didn't you th- you were 50-50 on whether he was going to go again And had you not been there, maybe he wouldn't have. But I know that having you there with when you're going to say, dude, you should just get on it. Because you have 100% belief that he's just going to walk it. Then I know he's going to believe it a little more and get on it. And not, Tyler, not that you need Scott there to do that, but getting that initial push you'll carry that forward and the yep. next time you're in that situation you'll go eh, i'm gonna get on it yeah scott and i talked a lot that weekend about building momentum um and totally yep. certainly <clears throat> scott was instrumental in, in starting the ball rolling there with his endless belief okay so how much time do you guys have what what time from this point do you have? It's nine forty two. We don't. I don't think Tyler has an exact date. No, I mean time like tonight. Oh, what time do you have to nowhere be? Nowhere to be. We okay. Got, neither one of us. Our wives are both. Our wives work. both work third shift. So. Okay. Then this is what we're gonna do. I do have another question. It's a fairly in depth question. Um. So instead of doing it here we're going to take it over to the we scream like eagles podcast for the patrons and we're just going to talk a little bit about how to cultivate this sort of partnership and and how you'll both maybe cultivate it in the future after you move tyler and when you're here so we'll move that over there um but thanks to you guys for taking the time out and sitting down and talking through this i know it's super nerdy and <laughs> but it's super fun for me to to talk about it and to yeah, hear you guys talk about torture. it especially yeah. after you know being part of the process of you two becoming partners and then and then growing as you have so so I thanks for having it. us yep really appreciate all the support you know Part of me really wishes that this, that my schedule had lined up in such a way that we could record this conversation two weeks later than we did, um, because so many exciting things have happened since. Um, but, and I'll tell you a bit more about that. But first, 
Um, well, first, thanks to Scott and Tyler for sitting down and taking the time out and really digging into this conversation with me. Um, it was really fun, really fun for me. And I've thought a lot about partnerships, so it was great to have this. And next, I want to give you a, a couple of details on the, the training plan that I had Scott and Tyler doing this past season, past training season, uh, because we don't really detail it in the podcast and it's really pretty simple um the physical aspect of the training was really basic they've both gone really hard in the past um and i noticed a couple of things number one that tyler on a rope was was giving up um he wanted the crux to feel really easy he didn't really want to go to battle with it um and in the red when it's pumpy you kind of have to go to battle and Scott was over-resting. He was, he was resting everywhere that he could, which makes sense because he was coming up on some of my earlier plans, and, and that's, a, that's a trap you can easily fall into if we don't sort of cut it off at the pass. So, so the, the whole idea was to get them on a rope together and have Scott push Tyler to go harder on his up-down-ups, you know, to really keep pressing until he reached actual physical failure and for Scott to try and try an on-site climbs in the gym without chalking without resting and not or to not give in to that that feeling of I have to rest I have to rest I have to rest um, because it's just a bad habit um, you should be resting when you need to um, and when the route dictates that you should but Otherwise, overresting can become a big problem. And I got messages from Scott saying, you know, I could have onsided that route, but I didn't because I chose not to rest. And I'm like, good, that's perfect. It's a gym route. It's inconsequential. It'll be gone in two weeks. Um, so that was it. Really basic. Just digging into those performance skills that I thought they were both missing. And now, just a, just a quick aside on how their climbing has looked since this interview, which was just a few weeks ago. Um, their week in the red that we talk about in the interview uh, went really, really well. The weather, however, did not. It was pretty rainy the whole time. I met them down for a day, um, rained the whole day and the next day. Um, however, Tyler was able to flash his first 12A as well as have a double 12 send day. Um, which was big for him. And Scott was able to to do many 12s during his time there, including two 12Cs, one of which had shut him down pretty hard in the past. Um, and the day that I met them out there, I put them on a 13A that I thought they both could do. <clears throat> and at this point, Scott had done 12C, a, a few of them, and Tyler had done 12B. Um, but I've been saying for a long time that Tyler's capable of 13A. He just needed to find his rhythm on a rope. And they both did really well in the 13A on day one, both of them falling a move or two below the chains. And a week or two later, they both went back and both sent, which actually didn't surprise me in the slightest, but makes me really, really proud of the work that these two have put into put into their training and put into trusting what I ask of them. 
You know, and I think that is a, a great testament to A, the idea that skill is just as or more important than physical training, how strong you are, how much endurance you have. Um, and B, to, to the fact that having a partner who understands you, who allows you space, and who will push you when needed and who you can really dig into the process with more so than just go climbing and go through the motions with this person they're not just a person who's belaying you it's it's something quite a bit more i think it's a real testament to the power of that and of course it's a testament to the genius of my programming obviously um, I will have links in your show notes on the blog post on the website uh, that take you to some of the videos that Tyler puts together. He, he creates these comparison videos of he and Scott after they've both sent something or are both working on something. And he has videos of both Estrella Oscura uh, that he talks about the 12B um, and of Resistor, the 13A, that they both did in the red this week. Um, so if you're a super nerd like we are, it might be fun for you to go check those videos out. But man, I gotta go. Uh, I've got electric to wire in the addition to the machine shop. I've got clients to work on. I've got a trip to prep for. I'm headed to CWA, the Climbing Wall Association seminar this week. And I'll be interviewing tons of people there, watching their presentations, um, and, and reporting back to you on how the CWA is uh, a little later this year. And then I head to Vail for the Bouldering World Cup, where last year I went and ambushed people with my microphone. This year I'll be emceeing the event. So I'm really, really excited uh, to emcee that event. Maybe you guys will see me on the live stream there. In the meantime, you can find me at powercompanyclimbing.com. You can find me on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, and the Pinterest at Power Company Climbing. And hopefully you can find me on the Twitters because all of you are sharing this podcast on your Twitters, of course, right? Thank you in advance. But you won't actually find me on the Twitters, not really, because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 Ha, 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 ha.
perfect. Uh, 